Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. W-P-H-A-T. You're listening to the number one health and wellness podcast, the place where health and consciousness connect. Perfectly Perfectly healthy healthy and tone tone radio radio. with your host, Darren McDuffie. And now prepare to get fat. What's cracking peeps and welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. I'm your show host, Darren McDuffie, alias Fat Man, because I help you become perfectly healthy and toned. Today's episode is with Dr. Carolyn Mine on her book, Different Bodies, Different Diets. You may recall that I interviewed Dr. Mine on another show several podcasts ago on her book called Releasing Emotional Patterns with Essential Oils. If you have not checked that podcast out, do go back and check that one. I highly recommend it. But today we're discussing another one of her books. Again, it's called Different Bodies, Different Diets. And in this podcast, there's a lot to learn. Dr. Maya spent a number of years kind of engulfing herself in what makes some people lose weight and what makes others not lose weight and why some people can do good on one diet and why others don't do well on the same diet. So here's what you'll learn on this podcast. Number one is what is salt really used? for. This blew my mind because I really didn't know what salt was used for. And for me personally, I stayed away from salt for a number of years just simply because I had a lot of people in my family history who had hypertension. So this is something you may want to pay attention to in the podcast. Second thing is veganism. When you start listening to these different body types, you're going to wonder if vegan or being being a vegan, veganism is something that might be good for you or something you may want to stay away from. Dr. Mind herself was a vegan and then she decided to introduce meat back into her diet and she goes into why she did that and why others may want to do that as well. Another thing is fruit. There's been a lot of controversy surrounding fruit. Is fruit healthy or is it not healthy? But when it comes to Dr. Mind's book about different bodies, different types, she noticed over a number of years that certain people do well with fruit in the morning, some people do well with fruit in the afternoon, and she discusses that a great deal. The last thing is you'll get to know my body type, and I discussed that on this podcast with her, and the thing that blew my mind was the fact that my body type describes me to a T when it comes to my personality. It's kind of eerie because when I was going through her book and preparing for the interview, I could couldn't believe that all these things she said about my specific body type seem to be my personality, all the different characteristics. So I shared that on this podcast as well. So good listening. Enjoy the show. And if you have not gone to my new website, perfectlyhealthyandtone.com, please do so. Scroll down, look for the little blue box, enter your first name and your email, and we'll be in touch. Enjoy the podcast. Dr. Mine, welcome back to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. 
Yeah, it's pleasure to have you back. Last time we were talking about essential oils. This time we were talking about your book, uh, Different Bodies, Different Diets. And as preparing for the interview, I have some questions for you. And uh, we'll get into my body type, which when I was uh, looking through the book and preparing for the interview for today, I noticed that these things were really, really indicative of how my personality is. It was very eerie, the fact that you could kind of take my personality and kind of pinpoint the characteristics that I have, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But how are you? Things going good? I'm doing fabulous. And it's beautiful here in Southern California. This is great. And it's not unusual when you find what your body type is. It is it is scary. I have people accusing me of riding around their back pockets for 20 years. The question (laughs) is, how can you know me so well? You just met me. Yeah. Yeah. And when I was reading through this, I was like, wow, that sounds like me, especially when I was younger, my personality. But I don't want to open the, the bag yet. I will we'll get into okay. that with my, my body type. But what made you discover this? What made you write this book? I was finding that I had to really pay attention to diet and I couldn't just give a person a blanket diet. And while there are things that are characteristic of all people, things like avoid the refined sugar. And a lot of people are sensitive to, to, to wheat. And particularly since so much of our wheat is the hybrid. And because of that, the digestive system doesn't handle it very well. And I found that there were differences as far as what time of day people could eat fruit in particular. What I was finding when I was working with the, the dietary area then I was seeing even, can you be a vegetarian or not? And for some people, it made a difference, and some people, it it did not. And as I started working with diets, I was looking at my own experience as far as what worked for me and what didn't. So a little bit of a, a background in history, I was actually born in Kansas on a farm. And so one of the things that we would do is uh, we would raise beef. And so that meant that a lot of times for dinner, it was usually beef in one form or another for five nights a week, uh, potatoes and a salad vegetable of some kind. And lunch was usually a sandwich. Breakfast was bacon and eggs and toast. And so when I was growing up, I always noticed that I had a certain amount of bloating and intestinal gas. And then when I was in chiropractic college, then I was introduced to a macrobiotic diet. And so at that time, I started eating a lot of brown rice and vegetables and was able to get rid of the bloating and the extra five pounds that I had carried. And so after a while, I noticed that Whenever there was chicken, I would tend to eat a little more than my share. Um, I stopped eating red meat totally. And after that, then I started going more towards a vegetarian diet. And over a number of years, I ended up putting on more weight in my uh, thighs particularly, which I hadn't had weight gain in earlier. And then I started, because I started eating a lot of cheese as far as a protein source, And eventually, I noticed that my immune system started to break down. Then I ended up meeting a man whose hobby was deep-sea fishing. So I couldn't exactly say, I'm not going to eat your fresh-caught fish. So I started incorporating fish back into my diet and 
having been a vegetarian, the only way I could eat an egg was if I would scramble it with uh, rice or a vegetable. And as I started adding the protein back into my diet, then I started noticing more strength as far as my immune system was concerned. And then I had a patient bring in a diet book that was the first diet book that really made sense to me because it was based on dominant glands. And this was a Bravenel's book based on Beeler's work. And Beeler was looking at the adrenal, the pituitary, and thyroid as the dominant glands. And each particular one had a different eating pattern. And so, for example, the adrenal body type, which is the classic one that Weight Watchers is based on, is the one that is eat a light breakfast, uh, moderate lunch, and heavier dinner. So the comment about eat breakfast like a pulper and lunch like a, a prince and dinner as a king is the one that, that fit for um, the adrenal body type. Mm-hmm. And that was also the one where you're told <clears throat> eat uh, fruit in the morning for breakfast and then your lunch because and then dinner is when you can go ahead and, and eat because then you're not going to be carrying a lot of calories. Then there was another type that was just the opposite. That's the pituitary. And this is the one that's told eat the majority of your food by 2 p.m. And that was some of the work that was actually um, done in some of the, uh, by William Kelly when he was doing more research on um, on cancer. And then there was a third type, and that was the thyroid type, and that was the one that needed to eat smaller meals throughout the day rather than larger meals at one time or the other. What I found for me is that the, the thyroid eating more protein, eat, focusing basically on uh, protein and vegetables, which is a lot of what we're looking at with some of the other diets, the high-protein vegetable diets, that was what really made the difference for me. So once I had looked at that particular book, then I found that the concepts were good, but the diets that were presented were terrible. So for my particular body type, the recommendation was to eat eggs, toast and milk in the morning for breakfast, which was just the worst thing in the world for my system, being sensitive to dairy and grains. Mm -hmm. So I started really modifying that. One of the things that I have done uh, in my practice is I use the muscle testing as a way of determining what's going on with the system. And so I found by doing the muscle testing, I really learned more about diet and nutrition than I did from any weight loss book because the problem with weight loss books is each one counterdicts the book that you just read. Uh So then you're finding the same thing. It's do I eat a large breakfast or do I eat a light breakfast? Do I eat my larger meal at noon or what do I do in the evening? And so what I found ultimately with the 25 different body types is it depends on your body type. And the book that was written was the one that was absolutely perfect for that the author's body type. And then they were able to find other people that were the same type 
and that's how they were able to validate it. The problem is there are certain body types that write books and others that don't. So this yeah, so get into that. I know it's 25, so we won't be able to get into all 25. And just to let the audience know who's going to be listening out there that um, I have construction going on outside of my house. They're putting in a new water main. So if you hear some inadvertent sounds, just bear with us. And then Dr. Mine has her cat. So, <laughs> so if you hear any sounds that have come out, just bear with that. But I guess my first question is what you said. You said that a lot of people go into these blanket diets. What is it about our society that we believe that one diet fits the same person, fits all people, so to speak? I think it really has to do with our desire to simplify, to really make something easy. And then the other thing has to do with the marketing. And the marketing is you're going to pick one thing and you're going to really focus on that particular way. And that's why we go through various different things. We have different fads. And so over the years, we've had different diets. So we've had the Fit for Life. We've had the Grapefruit Diet. We've had Atkins Diet. And one of the things that I did, too, was to go through the various different diets to see which body type worked for which particular diet. Because what we're told is if you cannot stay on a diet, it's because you don't have enough willpower. That's not true. The bottom line is that's the diet that does not support your system. And what I found throughout all of this is the bottom line is pay attention to your body because your body really knows. Going into age, I've noticed, <clears throat> excuse me, I've noticed as I've aged, there was a point where I was in my teens, I couldn't gain weight. Then I got into my 20s. I was overweight. I was gaining too much weight until I took gluten out of my diet. And now as I'm in my 40s, I'm noticing that if I don't, if I eat something that's kind of a little bit out of the ordinary, like me and rice are, we kind of have this love-hate relationship. I love rice, but it doesn't love me. Mm -hmm. um, with the body type diet, is it pretty much spot on when it comes to these uh, peaks in our age, like when we're in our 20s, when in our 30s, in our 40s, I noticed that, like I'm saying, my body has changed over a period of time just by introducing things or pulling them out of my diet. But I guess the question I want to ask is the body type diet spot on, like, is it is it smooth sailing through your 20s, 30s or 40s, 50s in the 60s or 70s with the with your specific body type? It absolutely is. So once you find what your body type is, then the diet is what's going to support you. Now, what happens is we do go through various different cycles, and that's when you're younger, you're able to handle a lot more foods than you are when you get older because our body is really designed that we're supposed to get smarter when we get older, and we're supposed to learn to pay attention to the, sim to the signs because a lot of times when we're younger, we're able to get by with things and we think that they're okay. And so one of those things, too, when you're talking about gluten, I really find that that is pretty much across the board. There are two types that seem to be able to handle gluten better than the other types. Some types are extremely sensitive to it. But even those types, when their systems are compromised, they have a hard time with, with the gluten anyway. Yeah, a lot of people are having problems with gluten. One of the things that in your book that I thought was really interesting is the fact that 
you said one of the first indications that the body is under stress is weight gain. I wanted you to kind of elaborate on that a bit. When there's when there's stress, then the body is not able to digest things, digest food as well as it should. And particularly if you have a strong constitution, then what the body will do is it just stores it. It's kind of like, I can't deal with this right now, so I'll just store this and I'll get to it later. That's really true of the pancreas body type. This is one type that's extremely efficient. And as a result, they will tend to find that weight is an issue, uh, particularly after there's been any stress of any kind in their life. The skin body type is another one. And usually weight was not an issue until there was a trauma of some kind, which put more stress on the system. And then they gained weight and were never able to get rid of it. So the problem is when you've got anything that's a stress on your system, what you need to do is you need to be able to support your body and figure out how to do that. That's one of the things that I go into with different bodies, different diets, is not only what diets support you, what foods support you, but also where are characteristic health challenges. When you go out to eat, what's a good restaurant choice for you? What are the the areas that you want to focus on that's going to give you the health and vitality throughout your entire life? Because your body type is something that you're born with. And your body type makes a huge difference even in children. Because if you know what diet supports your system, then you don't compromise your innate strength with dietary stress. We've got enough life stress that we can, it's nice when we can support our bodies nutritionally. Mm -hmm. And then the other area that is really profound is more the personality profile because that takes care of knowing how to deal with a lot of the emotional stress that we come up with. Yeah, I want to talk about that because a lot of times I think we think uh, stress is coming from the inside. But what I noticed in uh, my life when I started to gain weight after not being able to gain weight all these years, I realized that I was really stressed from a job that I had. It was a job that I had really pushed to be in. And when I got there, I was like, I don't really like this. So <laughs> what I would do was eat my way through the job, so to speak. And I realized that I was gaining a ton of weight. How many people do you see, because I know you still work with patients and you've been doing this work for years where they're having stress from their job or having stress from their relationship? And how does that contribute to the either weight gain or being underweight? Because a lot of times we don't even talk about being underweight as a, a specific sy sy symptom. That's true. And the people who have difficulty gaining weight have just as much problem as the people who have difficulty with too much weight. And you're right, that's an area that's not really addressed in society. And so one of the things that I have done with the different menus is to identify just um, meal plans, what are things that would work if you want to lose weight, if you want to gain weight, if your system is compromised as far as dealing with a lot of health challenges, or if you're just basically healthy and you want to come up with a diet that's going to support you your entire life, especially as you get older. You talk about food supporting us. 
And one of the things I've done muscle testing before, and I, you know, I want to let the audience know that. And one of the things that I realized was the person that did it on me, they would have me hold a certain thing. And it was amazing how my arm would go down with certain foods, but my arm would stay strong with certain foods. So is that what you're talking about when you say foods that support us? They're not yes. really counteracting against the immune system. Yes, yes. And the whole concept of the muscle testing is when you introduce a substance that takes more energy away from your body, then your body responds, and that's what causes the, the muscle to weaken. If you're doing something that supports you, then that will have a strengthening effect, and that can even strengthen a weak muscle. The cat wants to get in on an interview. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Yeah. He, <laughs> he's definitely very talkative. Your book addresses diet and exercise. And one of the things that I came across with, um, I can't remember his name, um, Gary. Um, uh, he has a, a really good but Why We Get Fat. I can't remember it. Uh, Gary. Uh, I can't remember Gary's last name right now. But in that, he says that they've done studies on exercise and they said exercise does not make you lose weight. It's a, a, a real known fact. So why is it important to really address the total person outside of just the diet and exercise when it comes to what you're doing? I find that weight is probably the most complex condition that I deal with because there's so many variables with it. And there is the emotional area, there's uh, the health aspect, and um, then there's the the food aspect. What are we putting into our system and how are we taking care of our system? So weight, a lot of times, is that really complex issue. And we look at what are the factors that are important? While diet and exercise are important, that's not the total picture. And one of the things that I was finding is I was finding people would go on various different diets and they would lose weight. But the moment they started going back into eating real food, they would put on not only what they lost, but additional weight. That's because most diets are starvation-based. Mm -hmm. So when you're in starvation, the body registers that as starvation. And so when you start eating, the body says, okay, um, we just went through this famine. So now we're going to put back what we lost and we're going to put a little extra in there too so that we can prepare for the next famine. And this is why people that go on a lot of weight loss diets time and time again get into that yo-yo dieting aspect where they can never lose the weight and then they get to where their calorie restriction is so great that they can't even maintain a normal lifestyle. And this was one of the things like with the biggest loser. Mm -hmm. um, I was I wrote an article on that based on their experience and the one gal who was able to keep her weight off, the way she was able to do that was with heavy exercise and really restricting her her calorie intake. So the answer to that is eat the diet that supports your system so that you can come up with a metabolic rate that's going to support you, which also means deal with the glandular system. That has to do with the adrenals, number one. Uh, thyroid is the one that a lot of people think of when they think of weight loss. They think, well, my thyroid's not active. 
Well, the thyroid and adrenals end up counterbalancing each other. So if you've exhausted the adrenal, then you're going to start seeing a lot of it with a thyroid. Thyroid also regulates metabolism. Adrenals are the strongest glands. Whenever there's stress, the adrenals start producing more cortisol. And where you're going to see excess cortisol is in the waist. And that's why men, where do they gain weight? Around the middle. And then women, you'll find the same thing. That's the abdominal area. Can't seem to get rid of that middle stuff. And a lot of it is cortisol. Yeah, I remember when I <clears throat> when I gained my weight, it was in the middle. And I gained weight in my lower body, which I never thought, because I'm skinny and I'm tall, really tall. So I gained that weight. But I want to ask you about yo-yo dying. Is that part of our psyche, though? Because... I mean, you look on Facebook now and you see people who are like, oh, I got to lose 20 pounds from a high school reunion or I got to lose 20 pounds by the summertime to fit into my bikini. I want to look good. Is that built into the human psyche that when there's something where we want to look our best, we want to go on these yo-yo diets and lose 20 pounds in two days or, or something to that effect? Absolutely. It's instant gratification. And so we look at diet as, well, this is another job that I need to do. And diet means deprivation, and I can't do what I normally want to do. And it's, it's something that I have to focus on, something that I have to pay attention to. So now that I've got this reunion, and this is the date or the wedding, then I'm going to take care of meeting my goal, which means what's going to get rid of this weight the fastest and so because of that, you go on various different uh, restricted calories usually or something that's going to speed up the metabolism. And a lot of times it's something that creates a lot of stress for the body. And then once you've hit that goal, then you relax, which means, oh, now I, I met my goal. Now I can reward myself and a little bit won't hurt. And the next thing you know, you go back into the old patterns because you really don't know how to truly support your system. Nobody teaches that. That's what Different Bodies, Different Diets does. I know a lot of people do this outside of just what I would call normal people. You know, they want to they have an event, like I said, and they want to go somewhere and they want to lose weight. But what I find very intriguing is this same cycle goes on within the fitness industry. You're in San Diego, so you see probably a lot more. Oh, fit absolutely. People. And what, I, what surprised me was when I would see bodybuilders, what they look like in season and off season. Is this detrimental to the body to keep going through these these periods of starvation yes. and eating the small yes. meals? Okay. It is very hard on the body. And a lot of times you see these bodybuilders and you look at even how they have built the upper trapezius uh -huh. and then they lose weight and then you have this distorted body image that's there and it's because they really don't understand how to work with the musculature and how to work with the system and so with the bodybuilders and you get into the steroids which can really wreak havoc with the with the system and once you've done that damage it's really, really hard to rebuild. You do something a little bit different. And it's something that I've been getting to a lot more lately. You delve into emotions and the spiritual aspect of weight gain, you know, weight loss, or not even being able to 
to put the weight on that you desire if you're a skinny person, which I experienced earlier in my life. But how important are the emotions when it comes to weight? Emotions, emotions are huge. And so a lot of times, particularly when you look at women that have had weight issues, many times it's an unconscious level of if I make myself unattractive, and particularly when there's abuse involved, then the men won't bother me. And sometimes it can be other areas. It can have to do with a body image of not being good enough. It can have to do with rewarding self. There's a lot of areas when you're looking at the emotional component. And so one of the things that I discovered with the 25 different body types is all of us have what would what I call core issues. So this would have to do with our life lesson. What is it that we need to learn? And how is that played out in our life experience? And so this will show up as different issues that life presents and how do we deal with those. But as a way of dealing with with those issues is when I wrote Releasing Emotional Patterns with Essential Oils Mm -hmm. to be able to move through the negative emotion and to get the lesson from it so we can learn from the experience and that experience that's our challenge becomes our greatest strength. Yeah. And that's how we really get to the point of living our life to the fullest and living to our full potential. I remember watching a lot of these shows where the people were really, really heavy, and it always seemed like there was some type of emotional issue attached to it. It didn't come out until later on when you watch these shows, but it always seemed like it's an emotional issue that was attached to it. With our body type, with our body type, there's something you wanted to say? I'm sorry. Oh, it's just that the emotions are so tied into our psyche and who we are, and you really can't separate things out because you find that some things, yes, they start as an emotional issue and then they manifest physically, or sometimes things will start physically and then it connects with the emotions. So sooner or later, we really have to deal with all sides. Getting into our body types. I'm from the South. I grew up in the South. And the saying will say that, you know, that girl is built just like her mother or this guy is built just like his father. Are our genetic types our body there types are, genetic or are they passed down from generation to generation there are certain there are certain body types that do tend to run in families gonadal is one stomach is another one eye sometimes and then there are others that seem to be totally different so for me for example i have two brothers and of a family of five my father and brother were the same body type and the rest of us were different and so I have found that a lot of times I look at the family dynamic and particularly looking at it from the personality aspect what happens many times in relationships is first relationship typically is you're marrying the parent that you had the greatest difficulty with when you're growing up Hmm. so it's part of how do you learn what you need to learn. And since rarely do two types marry each other, now that does happen at times, well, I'm talking about the same body type, but most of the time there's one area where we connect and one area that's different. 
And so with the 25 different body types, that seems like a, a huge amount. And you want to know, how do I make sense out of this or simplify it down to something that I can work with? And I did find when I was looking at the personality aspect, I could really divide the types into four quadrants and looking at what's your dominant sense. So is your dominant sense mental or emotional? And the way you determine that is when you're under stress, what do you ultimately rely on, your head or your gut? And that's, that's not the same as your intuition. And so the emotional side is, even in your language, what comes out is I feel rather than I think, which would be mental. So the mental or emotional. And then the other side is physical, spiritual. And so the spiritual is more the intuitive aspect where the physical is you want something that's tangible. What's more real to you? Something that you can see, feel, and touch or an idea or concept. So then with that, then the body type goes into four quadrants. Our classic stereotype of men is the adrenal body type. This is the football linebacker. And so he is mental physical. The classic female is the cheerleader and she is physical emotional. And this is why so many times the, the joke is if there's problems in a marriage, the woman goes in and, and because of weight gain, she tends to gain weight in the buttocks and thighs. And then she's put on Prozac because emotionally she's all over the place. The reality is she's dealing with his emotions and hers and the whole family. And so what happens in relationships is they will connect on one level, which is physical level. He's mental. She's emotional. And that allows each one of them to integrate the other aspect into their own personality. So in other words, she is able to connect with more the mental side. He's able to connect more with the emotional side. So when it comes to determining your body type, one of the things that you can do is you can start with that and say, is there one of those characteristics that really stands out? And if so, then that's a way of, of really dividing the body types into quadrants and where it's easier to relate. With the, you mentioned dominant glands. How do we know what our dominant gland is? That through looking at a picture of what our body type is like to where we can say, hey, I'm a stomach type or I'm a thyroid type or I'm an adrenal. How do we determine that? The easiest that? way to start when you're looking at figuring out your body type is to look at your weight gain pattern. And your weight gain pattern is determined by your dominant gland. And so, for example, for women, women gain weight in one of three areas. It's upper body, lower body, or all over. And when I was writing my book, I took pictures of well over 5,000 women. And during that time, I have never met a woman who doesn't know where that is. Then uh, <laughs> it's a little more challenging. But anyway, it's the dominant gland that determines that. And so um, in determining your body type, I was able to simplify this to where you can just go online to my website, bodytype.com, and select the test for men or for women. 
and it will take you through different physical characteristics. So for women, we start with where do you gain your weight, upper body, lower body, or all over. If it happens to be all over, now you've just narrowed that down to seven types. You can look at, from the book aspect, those pictures and look at realistic areas of this, does this look like me or not? And then you can go into the personality profile. When, and, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just going to ask you, you see a lot of women who gain weight in the lower body. What is that type of dominant gland with that? Most, most women will gain weight in the lower body. And even, and there are uh, several body types where the weight gain pattern can actually shift. So, for example, I had one woman, body type adrenal, and when she was out in the business world, all of her weight gain was upper body. And then she got married and started really focusing on the family, and her weight gain shifted to lower body. Her body type did not change, her focus did. And when you look at weight gain patterns, that dominant weight gain in the upper body is more of a masculine energy, where that weight gain in the lower body is more of a feminine energy. And so that's why the majority of types actually gain weight in the lower body. And there are types that can gain weight in upper body entire body or lower body like adrenals in stomach that will also where the weight patterns can actually shift depending on their focus yeah i was going to ask you that because i see to me it looks very weird when a man gains weight in his lower body i don't know <laughs> you've probably seen men like this where they gain I a lot have. of weight in the lower body. and it looks very odd and i was uh -huh. my question to you was going to be you know this this change and you answered that just now but i mean is that because you said it was because of focus or where we are it, and masculine it, and feminine yeah. energy so a man yeah. has his his focus yeah. on feminine energy at that point it is they do tend to to take on more more of the feminine characteristics and a lot of times the the men who do tend to gain more weight in the lower body are emotional and so a lot of times it will be the emotional physical quadrant um, where the men will gain weight in their lower bodies and also what i did with the different body types is divided those into two categories depending on a person's focus whether they tend whether that particular body type is more of a masculine energy or more of a feminine energy so when you look at the body types there's polarities and back to our example the adrenal is a masculine polarity whereas the gonadal is a feminine polarity now the area that gets confusing is there are men and women in all of the 25 different body types so that's why you can see gonadal men and you see adrenal females so a classic example of an adrenal female is Oprah Winfrey. And you know what a challenge she's had with her weight. Is there a way, I know for me, I gain weight in my lower body and it makes certain a, a lot of sense where you say, uh, you know, more emotional, but I know I would bury my emotions. I wasn't all that in touch with my emotions when I was in, yes. at a younger age. Yes. 
Because men are and taught not to be emotional. Right. <laughs> yeah. But they're there and you haven't yeah. dealt with them. Yes. And so when you're stuffing the emotions, then invariably it's going to affect the lower body because the area where stuffed emotions resides in the body is right over the hip joint area. So you're going to see that with weight gain. There is there is one body type. It's the eye body type. And this was one of the things that I was looking at when I was discovering through my discovery. It took me um, six years to discover all 25. It took me seven years to discover all 25 of the different body types. And it took me six years to write the book. But the I noticed a woman who was very conscientious about her her diet, but she had the most unusual weight gain pattern I had seen, and that was she had a lot of weight gain right over the hip joint area. And in working with her, then I discovered that she had been in several accidents, and because of that, being a strict vegetarian, she wasn't getting the protein that she needed to rebuild her body, and it went to that dominant weight gain area. Uh, body type happened to be an eye, and eyes need fat and they need protein. And so because she wasn't able to get enough of the protein, it showed up as a lot of excess weight. And the right over that hip joint area is the area that's connected with the emotions, with stuffed emotions. So you're going to see that a lot of times, depending on a person's body type, where they gain the weight. And you can see that with the weight gain in the hips and the lower abdomen and buttocks, depending on their body type. Yeah, with the body type, is veganism an optimal diet? Because you mentioned, I think in the earlier part of the show, you mentioned being vegan yourself at one point. Yeah, And yeah, then kind of getting yeah. out of that. Have you seen cases where... What what the, I've discovered, and that was one of my questions too, because you read a lot of these, these books and they say, your ideal diet would be to be a vegetarian. And then to what degree do you have things, people who are totally vegans, or do you have ones that have more protein in their diet where they'll do cheese, they'll do eggs and some of the other uh, dairy. And what I was finding is that half the body types can be vegetarian. The other half cannot. The reason they can't is because their body has a very difficult time converting vegetable protein into the protein that the body is able to assimilate. So one of the clues is if you get intestinal gas when you're eating a lot of beans, that's a very good sign that your body has difficulty converting. And so if legumes do not work for you, chances are you need more dense protein. Dense protein can be fish. Uh, it can be chicken. It doesn't mean that you have to eat red meat or, or a heavier meat. Of the types who can be vegetarian, what I find is it depends on where your health level is. And if your health is compromised, like you've got an injury, you've got a lot of heavy emotional stuff, you've broken down your immune system, whatever it is, then you need more dense protein to help your body rebuild. So when it comes to the vegetarians, the ones who can do the vegetarian are really the ones who have strong systems. And yeah. an example of that, the adrenal body type, which is the one with the dense, heavy, solid musculature, is the one who can actually be a vegetarian. But the more delicate ones, which would be thyroid, as an example, and that would be the other side, 
these are the ones that actually need more protein. And so being a thyroid myself, that was what my experience was. Even though it can take 10 years for your system to break down to the point where you realize that the diet that you're following doesn't support you. And what happens is the body will start taking, it starts cannibalizing itself. And it does that by using the muscle as quality protein. And this is why a lot of times people find that when they're following, a, when they're fasting and when they're doing a really total fast, that they feel wonderful. They do because they're eating their own protein. They're getting really good quality protein from the muscles. And that is very difficult to rebuild. You can see that when you look at the blood work. So you see this about going into a diet where you're into ketosis. Well, ketosis means you're breaking down your own protein. That's not good. So you need to make sure that you're getting a protein you can assimilate. You can use things like bone broth. Bone broth is excellent. It's really good for rebuilding the gut. It's a good quality protein. It's something that you can do that's easy to digest um, using fish, using eggs, a lot of times these are protein sources that people can work with. Getting into body types, and I went through the book and I determined myself that I'm a balanced body type. So I don't know how accurate that is, but my intuition tells me that it's it's pretty accurate because I'm pretty tall. I'm 6'7". I've had issues with gaining weight in the past, and now my, my weight stays pretty, I'm pretty lean at about two 225 plastic basketball players build because I played basketball. But what I was amazed at is just the psychological profile and how it described me kind of to a T. And these are things that I've been kind of aware of. Like I'm more, I was more of a thinker and now I'm getting more in touch with my feelings. Like I was really, really analytical. And that's what kind of drew me to the balance profile because I looked at a lot of them. But I wanted you to kind of relate your experience and Ultimately, kind of use me as an example. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, it's the personality profile that really nails it because you can see different areas from the dietary areas and we look at the physical body, where are the areas that are similar. And the balanced body type means that there's not one gland dominant system that's dominant, but it's really about balancing all of the various different aspects. And so you're going to find that, that you do want to balance the mental with the emotional quality that's there, being able to integrate the different ones. When you look at the experiences that you've gone through, it's not unusual to go through that extreme period of, yes, you've had times of not being able to gain weight, then there's a lot of weight, and now how do I come to that point of balance? This is a lot of what what other types go through too, to a lesser degree. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, uh, once you read that personality profile, that's the part that really clinches it for you. Yeah, it nails it. And I wanted to share with the audience just certain little things here because when I read it, I was like, yeah, that's me, that's me. It says that balanced types can become extremely impatient with both themselves and others when things go wrong. And I've been in that period of my life in my 30s where I was just really impatient with myself. I thought that I should have this, have that, 
and I was just willing to push my way through anything and that nailed it for me. I'm like, yeah, that's me. And even sometimes I have to pull myself back and be a little bit more patient with myself, but also patient with other people as well. So I know that that's one of my characteristics. Um, the other thing is just the fear of in intimacy. I used to have that real fear of intimacy in, in, uh, in relationships and I would pull back and even now, I only have a certain number of people I would consider friends. Like my best friend lives in Sacramento. He's been my best friend since high school and we always talk with each other. But I don't have a core group of best friends, so to speak. So it described me to a T and I'm like, "Is Dr. how does Dr. Mind know all this stuff? <laughs> but it really... That, yeah, yeah. That is the part that's really amazing. And the way I started as far as writing this personality profile is I ask people two questions. One is, which parent did you have the greatest difficulty with when you were growing up? And what did you do in order to survive? And um, so by doing that, then um, I was able to look at where your life lesson is. Because that's one of the things you want to know when you're you're looking at why am I here and what do I need to do? What's my purpose? Because ultimately we go back to the spiritual area of why are we here and what do we need to do and how can I express to the fullest of my being? And by knowing your body type, that's the, the questions I really answer. I really see the personality profile as the the greatest gift with the body typing and the important thing is this is something that you're born with and so with your children you're going to see their particular body type when you look at the personality profile and you and it's present from birth by knowing a child's body type you can help them with those areas that are challenging for them and guide them in the direction that they need to go because children are being asked to figure out what career they want when they're in high school. They don't have enough life experience to be able to figure that out. But if you know what your body type is, it will point you in that direction. So for balanced, for example, one of the things that is characteristic of the balanced is they can be the life of the party. They love being on stage. A lot of actors and actresses are balanced. They can also access a number of different areas, which is why they can play a number of different roles. You'll see this personality being played out in who are you, basically, what motivates you, and then with that, what is it that's going to give you that greatest sense of, of fulfillment? For the balance, it's adventure, and people are an adventure. And then there's also that area of, of wanting to, to travel, and sometimes it can be travel in even uh, exploring different aspects of consciousness. Yeah, you're exactly right, because I've been getting the itch to travel lately. I'm like, I really want to travel. <laughs> and, and I've been in, in sales and marketing for a, a number of years. And I was like, OK, um, I got into the nutrition and I really love this and I want to uh, propel it into a different career. So that's been a focus of mine lately. But it's been this intense itch to travel someplace, go to Thailand. Or I was just talking about this last night in a meeting. You know, I wanted one of my friends was going to Japan and I'm like, oh, wow, I want to go to Japan, too. I want to visit all these places. But I've had this intense itch to travel in this book you mentioned. And I don't see this in a lot of diet books where you mentioned what certain body types to integrate organ meats. 
Why is that? The organ meats are the ones that are nutrient rich. And so, for example, if you're wanting to strengthen your heart, then eating heart is very helpful. Liver, and so a lot of diets will talk about liver because the liver is comes is actually the most important organ in the body, at least according to the Greeks. That's why they called it the liver from the verb to live. And the liver is what gets overloaded with a lot of our toxins. Of course, the problem with liver is you want to make sure that you have grass-fed. You want to make sure that you don't have all the chemicals and everything else because it's the liver that's the filter. Um, so this is where the organs can be very helpful. Even when you look at, at native cultures, what they will go for is the organ meats first, even in the animal kingdom. And it's, it's because of that nutrient density, but also because the nutrients that are in that animal organ are very similar to the same thing that's in the human. And, but you can also bring that even to the plant kingdom. And so this is why with vegetables, it's good to eat the entire plant rather than just one particular point. And so, um, as a carrot, for example, or beets. Uh, beets are probably the most nutrient-rich food and because the beets act as cleansers for the liver. And so you, you want the, to eat the tops as well as the root. And I find that the tops tend to be bitter, but the root is very sweet. So if you take the, the young leaves and just steam those, lightly steam those, and eat that with the beet root, that gives you that balance, which allows you to eat the, the whole food, which is back to that same thing of eating the entire plant. That means you get all the various different aspects. Same with your carrots. Your, beet top, your carrot tops can be one of the things that you can do when you're juicing. So it really does have to do with, with getting the energy from all the aspects uh, because we tend to be really deficient in certain areas. How important is it, <clears throat> excuse me, how important is it for combinations of foods? <clears throat> because I've heard that don't eat fruit with meat, but in your body type, how important is the combination of foods and what, what you're actually eating? Again, it depends on your body type. And so there is one body type that really has to pay attention to that combination and that would be skin body type, for example. This is the one where you, that the diet that you're speaking of that was talking about, don't eat the grain protein combination. That is true for the skin body type, which is why sandwiches do not work for skins, but they work very well for the stomach body type. And if you look at cultural history as to where certain foods originated, it definitely connects when you're looking at the body type. So I do find that the biggest difference, if I'm doing the muscle testing, I'm looking at how do I figure out a person's body type. A lot of times I'll start with what time of day can a person eat fruit because that's where I see the greatest variation. There are certain types, if they eat fruit in the morning for breakfast, it affects the quality of the digestive system throughout the day, even though they can handle fruit for lunch or dinner. There are others that can eat fruit anytime, it doesn't matter. And then we look at food combinations. So for the hypothalamus body type, to get rid of the extra weight, 
then the protein-fruit combination is excellent. A lot of times people will use fruit as a dessert that helps digest the food. That's typical of the heart for uh, lunch, but not eating it for dinner. Uh, so even time of day can make a difference. And this is where I found knowing your body type is really helpful. What a lot of diets do is they end up restricting desserts. When you learn your body type, is there any room to insert, let's say, piece of cake? There definitely is. And so when it comes to deprivation, the pancreas body type is the one that if you tell them they can't eat something, they're all over it. That's, That's where all their mental focus goes. But I did find for the pancreas body type, and this is really true of most types, if you want something sweet, eat it as an evening snack, which almost goes against everything else that you've read. But I find that that way is when the body's able to assimilate it better or able to process it better so it doesn't wreak havoc throughout the rest of the system. And for the, um, this is really true for all types, but especially for, for people who are wanting to restrict their, their sweets, just know that if you really want it, you can eat it at night before you go to bed. And so when it comes to that evening snack, then you decide, do you want it or not? And that is a real good way to work with limiting the foods that you know you're not wanting to eat right now. Part of it, too, when you're looking at sweets, look at what you really want. One of the things that I was finding is I would eat a really good dinner, and then after that, I was looking for something sweet. What happens is you actually need sugar to transport protein across the blood-brain barrier, which is why a lot of times using fruit as a, as a dessert works very well, rather than a lot of other refined sugars, which isn't good for any of the types. But I found that when I was craving something, I had to break it down to see what I was craving. And a lot of times I would find that I've eaten something and I'm wanting ice cream. So, but then I'd eat the ice cream and I really wasn't totally satisfied. So I don't know whether any of you have had this experience of you go to the carton, you think I'll eat one or two bites. And the next thing you know, a quarter of the carton is gone and sometimes more. But I found that if I would step back and analyze that and I looked at what is it that I'm really wanting, what I wanted was I wanted cold and sweet. And so if I ate frozen cherries or frozen mangoes, I was totally satisfied and I didn't blow my diet. So the same thing was true with cookies. I was looking at what is it that I was really wanting. And what a cookie is, is basically um, fat, which would be your butter and flour. And so I found that if I would make my own quote-unquote cookie, and instead of using wheat flour that I was sensitive to, I put oat flour in it. I'd melt butter and put oat flour in it. And um, then I would add um, maybe some almonds or some uh, fine-cut oatmeal, and uh, you can put cinnamon in it. I was using that as a, as a topping and found that that was really satisfying as far as this cooking was concerned. And I wasn't eating all the sugar. And the secret, you would think that it's the sugar that makes things sweet, Add salt, and salt is another big thing, is you want to make sure that you have a good quality salt because the iodized salt, I haven't found anybody that the the processed iodized salt is good for, but we need 
salt in order to digest protein. So that's why your sea salt, your Himalayan salt are much better choices. And even beyond that, I found another salt, which is a a blend of Hawaiian and Mediterranean air-dried salt that's called pink salt that works even better. You you uh, just described me to a T because I'm one of those people like after I eat, I'll just be like, I need something sweet. I need something sweet. And I'll end up having um, almond milk ice cream or something to that effect. And I start with one, one spoonful and then I know the whole thing before I know it, the whole thing is gone. And mm-hmm. uh, I just discovered salt because I used to be so afraid of salt being African-American you know, the high blood pressure just made me and I've seen many of my family members have high blood pressure and go on medication, but I use real salt now. And so I just sprinkle a little bit of that and I'm not afraid of it, but yes, um, much better choice. Yeah. Much Mm -hmm. better choice for me. And uh, because I used to be so afraid and then I would go get tested and because I used to sweat a lot and Mm -hmm. the person who was testing me, she would say, you need to get more salt. And she would put me on these Himalayan salt pills. Yeah. 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 So Salt is very important. The one thing I noticed about my my balanced body type too is that I eat, I do very well with protein. I can eat a freaking pound of bacon mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel yeah. really good. But when I eat, when I tend to go more towards the starchy carbohydrates like rice or something to that effect, it slows me down and I can immediately yeah. feel it. It's like I get this, I can eat rice. Like uh, we have this place here that you go to and they serve like chicken and rice and, and different things. And it's pretty good. But when I eat those rice or beans or something to that effect, immediately after that, I'm getting in my car or something. If I'm eating on my lunch break and I feel like, oh, my God, <laughs> it just feels like it slowed me down. And I know mm-hmm. that that's not really good for good for my body. And one of the other keys when you're eating rice and beans is you need to add a fat. So make sure you eat the the avocado with it, the guacamole. I, I'll try that because I haven't tried that. But um, that was the first thing I heard about salt and, and digesting protein. And it makes a lot of sense because I was just so afraid of salt. But now I love it. And I just put it on everything. But I'm using, again, the real salt. One of the things you t- you talk about here, was there something you wanted to say? I'm sorry. Oh, it's it's just... Again, with with the salt, making sure that you're getting your minerals and you're getting the good kind of salt. So you're yeah. right. Yeah, you mentioned all of those, the pink salt. And I use real salt, which is uh, which is also a good one. There's a lot of them out there, Himalayan. You also make a stance in here about microwave cooking. And there's been so much about cooking in a microwave. Some people say it's okay. Then some people say that it's not okay. It is not okay. And so one of the things, again, using your muscle testing is a good way to just check that. Another thing, if you there's different experiments. If you take uh, two plants and you take uh, water and just heat it up in the microwave and cool it off, and then you water one plant with the microwaved water, and another plant with the regular water, what will happen when you use microwaved water is it kills the plant. And so people say, well, I'll just heat up the water, but it changes the molecular structure. And what happens with the microwave is the frequency goes back and forth so rapidly that it ch- it breaks the molecular bond and it causes a substance that the body is not able to recognize. Therefore, it ends up being toxic to the system. The most dramatic case I had is I had a man who came into my office because he had sores in his mouth and he hadn't been able to get rid of it. And when I asked him what he was doing, he was microwaving all of his food. The only thing I had him do was stop the microwave and within three days, his mouth was totally perfect. Wow. Um, 
The industry has done a great job of keeping the information out of the uh, mainstream for the U.S., but if you look at some of the European research, then you'll see the studies and what's how the microwaved food ends up affecting the immune system. And so um, in the individual profiles, I've got a little bit of information there on the microwaves and, and a little bit of on the studies that have been done. But forget the microwave. You can use the convection oven. The toaster ovens are great. Um, go back to heating things up on the stove, steaming things. No microwave. Yeah, that's what I do. I just throw it in a pot and heat it up and just go off and do something and wait for it and then come back. The last question I have for you, Dr. Mine, is we live in a society, society and I just asked you about microwave. It's a microwave society where we want to see instantaneous results. When you adopt this body type diet, you learn your body type, how how the soon most, are you going to be able to see the result? A lot of times people will notice it right away. The comment I hear most often is, when I follow your diet, I feel good. And then what will happen is people tend to, life gets in the way, and then they realize they put on some extra weight, and their energy isn't where it needs to be. And then they go back into, let's pay attention to the diet again, and they can normalize right away. It really depends on how out of balance your system is. But the first thing you notice is you notice your energy level. And I really wrote Different Bodies, Different Diets as a way of giving people an eating pattern that's going to support you for your entire life. Whether you want to lose weight, you want to gain weight, you want to maintain it, you want your energy, you want your vitality. So it doesn't make any difference where you are in your pattern. You have to start someplace. And your food is the one thing that you have control over. A lot of the other things we don't. So knowing your body type is so valuable in really understanding who you are. It's like an owner's manual for your body. And it, it's huge when it comes to relationships and understanding where other people are coming from. Because I used to think that if I can do something easily, then somebody else ought to be able to do it if they would apply themselves. It doesn't work that way. It's looking at what your strengths are. And so you're going to notice changes in various different aspects um, right away. And then it's really about a lifetime change. So don't feel like you have to do everything perfect right away. And even if you take one little part of it, you're going to notice a difference. Like even pay attention to the time of day you eat fruit. With the different foods, I've divided those into three categories. Your frequently foods are what are the foods that support your system most. Then we have moderate. You're going to do that one to two times a week. And then we have rarely. So I don't have any never foods. Rarely means once a month or less. So if you know what those rarely foods are and you pay attention to those, that makes a difference. And it can even be strange things like the adrenal body type does not handle cucumbers well. You look at a cucumber and think that's perfectly good. Or even almonds. I found there are two body types that do not do well with almonds. And just taking those particular foods out of your diet makes a huge difference. Yeah, one of the things about this book and I like is that it reminded me to be 
more in tune with my body. I'm very in tune with my body. I know when I eat something, if it slows Absolutely. me down, if it, if it actually works with my body. But I think for the novice person out there, it'll make you be more in tune with your body, get a lot more intuition with your body. And it, that's the, yes, that, yeah. that is, that is really my intention. And the whole idea is to learn to listen to your body. And if you learn to listen to your body with food, because you get that instant feedback, then you learn to listen to your body when it comes to your emotions and your feelings and your inner guidance. So it's all about learning how to listen. Yeah. A lot of people out there are living on that, that unconscious level is what I call it. And it gets you mm -hmm. to, to be more conscious, especially about your body, because there are a ton of people who are eating things and they know that it doesn't kind of the word I want to use is jive with the body, but they still yeah. go on eating. And I used to be like that. I'm like, why am I drinking milk when it doesn't really, <laughs> it's really not uh -huh. good in my body. And I pull those things out of my diet. But the book is called Different Bodies, Different Diet, Different Diets. Really enjoyed the book and always enjoy interviewing you, Dr. Carolyn Mine. Is there something else you wanted to say before we end the interview? The easiest way to determine your body type is go, go to my website, uh, body type Dot com, And then there's a lot of information there that you can read the different body types. And then to figure out your type, you just go on, take the test for men or women. And what you will get once you determine your type is you will get your particular profile. And the that gives you the personality profile, what's the diet that supports you, what are menu suggestions and ideas, you go out to eat, what's good restaurant choice. And then you can read other profiles as well. The big book is the one that has all the diets in it. And this is available through Amazon and all the other book it outlets? It is, okay, yes. Great, great. Dr. Carolyn Mine, thank you so much. The book is called Different Bodies, Different Type, Different Diets. I want to say different types. I don't know why. But, uh... <laughs> well, it's kind of like that. And so part of it is we have this this connotation of, of a diet being something mm -hmm. that's, that's not that's hard. And negative and it's really about an eating plan rather than rather than a diet yeah. all and right my well, cat says <laughs> yeah your cat is in on the interview he's been in on the interview from the, from the very beginning but you know it's not a, not an issue at all yeah Dr. he's saying hi and love to everybody <laughs> thank you dr mine thank you it's a pleasure being with you Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com/audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com/audio. That's carshield.com/audio.